Hello and welcome to the original, the only podcast of its kind for the Quantum Grammar Shoot, a podcast that talks about the grammar technology known as Correct Sentence Structure Communication Parsing Syntax Grammar, i.e. Quantum Grammar, and how it relates to everyday life and current events. And I am your host, Colin Jason Knife and Matthew Colin Glass. This is a podcast of opinion where I share my thoughts on a psychological level of how one would use this technology navigating through everyday now space and other related subjects. Hope you enjoy. Let's dive into a topic that a lot of newcomers to quantum grammar, a lot of newcomers to correct sentence structure, communication, parsing, syntax, grammar, um, a lot of newcomers have this attribute, and we're going to talk about it right now. This attribute, and I don't even know if that's a <laughs> accurate way of articulating what I'm trying to say. This attribute is called presumption. An assumption. It's something that they participate with that they don't even realize, I don't think, I mean, this is a guess on my part, that they're participating with. I'll have people, well, for example, my most recent podcasts about authoritarianism and my videos about authoritarianism, correctness, autonomy, compassion, these types of things, I go into very blunt depth about assumption presumption and about knowing what authoritarianism is and that knowledge creates authority and the skill to convey that knowledge. And in doing so, I lost subscribers, which, as I've said in the past, if me talking about the psychology of correct sentence structure and how to certify what a fact is and what an assumption presumption is and what it means to participate with a presumption and assumption as a fact with no evidence, no proof, no nothing. If those types of people that do those types of things fall off the vessel or vacate the construct, that's fine with me. Because those people, obviously, by my guess, have not developed the neurological pathways to be able to learn correct sentence structure. They're still holding on to their beliefs. They're still holding on to assumption, presumption as fact. And yes, I'm talking about the ones that, that I guess, you know, believe in aliens or God or a devil or whatever, any, any number of these things that you can't certify in the same way that one can certify what a cup is. Or what love is. I have one guy trying to tell me. Or say hey. Can you certify what gravity is? And I shared with him. My correct sentence structure communication. Parsley syntax grammar. Finite mean of gravity. And. They were gone. They were trying to say that you. There are things that exist. That you cannot see. That. Are facts. And. I challenged the individual to name one, and they couldn't. 
except for they started talking about there's a demonic cabal that rules the world or, or something like that. Which I don't know if there is or there isn't. I can't certify it one way or the other, so it doesn't freaking matter to me. What matters to me is what's in front of me. What's going on right now directly around, uh, around my vessel. I'm not worried about rumors from thousands of miles away down, you know, on the sea of space. What's up there? I don't know. I can't see it. can't sense it. Here's the key word, sense. The individual was saying you, stuff you can't see that are, that are facts. And I agreed. I said, yeah, exactly. You cannot see love. You cannot touch love. You cannot smell or hear love. But you damn sure know what it is, don't you? And you can certify that you have that for your children, your spouse, perhaps your parents, your siblings, your friends, your house companions. I mean, you know what it is. There's a tangible contract with love. But do you have a tangible contract in the same way that you have a tangible contract with love? Do you have that same contract with a demon cabal that rules the world? It's simple logic. And it's a cognitive dissonance that people run into over and over again. And I'm seeing this the more, the deeper I'm diving into these topics and the more blunt I'm being. Last year at this time, uh, I was pretty much not even touching on this type of stuff or being as specific about it. But now I am. As I've gained confidence with my position, with concerns to the grammar and my knowledge of it and how it works and how important I feel it is for those people who don't have cognitive dissonance, who don't participate with presumption and assumption, how important it is for those people that want to learn the grammar to learn it. Because I know how few of you there are out there who are actually going to put forth the effort, invest whatever it takes to learn the grammar because you know how potent it is. I know there's only a few of you out there. I know this because I've been doing this for going on five years now, teaching it. And it's been my experience. I've talked to hundreds, literally hundreds of people all over the earth. And I can probably count on two hands the number of individuals that have even reached a rudimentary closure on the grammar. Not full closure, rudimentary closure. And I can count on one hand the number of people who I would certify as being able to walk out and use this grammar in the public, in the now space, successfully. On one hand. So back to the assumption presumption part of it. I'll get comments from individuals who my best guess is I've just watched a colon David Eiffel Wynn colon Miller seminar and leave comments saying the fiction has been censoring the fact for over 8,500 years and things like that. And my response to that is, well, how do you know that? I don't know anyone who's been alive for 8,500 years or 8,500 plus years. How do you know that's, that's what's going on? How do you know the fiction is trying to censor the fact? 
And that, of course, tells me, from my own knowledge, that whoever is saying that does not have closure on the grammar and is basically navigating from a theoretical perception of the grammar rather than a practical one. Because if one were to have a practical, when one achieves a practical, rudimentary, basic closure on the grammar, in that they can actually use it, and have used it, creating document contract postal vessel court venues with the flag mechanics, the grammar mechanics, the postal mechanics of 12B1 through 12, or 12B7 through 12B1 mechanics. Once one has done that a couple times, one develops and attains clarity on what a fact is. And then the realization comes that the fiction can't hide anything. Anything the fiction censors or hides or classifies doesn't matter anyways. It's not, if, if it's hidden, so what? I don't need it. If it's maliciously hidden and it's going to cause harm to me and I don't know about it, well, it still doesn't matter because it's going to happen anyways. And it's my experience that if one has correct volition, malicious intention will basically play out the way it's supposed to. And if a damage occurs, then that damage will be dealt with according to my, and speaking for myself, according to my psychological condition of state and my preparedness and my knowledge and skill of how to navigate through such a dangerous situation. I'm not going to be caught unawares. It doesn't matter what's classified or not classified. If you have the knowledge of the grammar and you have closure on your language and a steward of your thoughts, there is nothing out there that's hidden that can really cause too much damage to you. And again, you know, I use the old combat arts analogy. How do you get better at your, or even self-defense, self-defense techniques or combat art techniques? You have to get in there and practice every day. You have to practice, and yeah, you're going to take lumps because you're going to get in there with people who are better than you and get your ass kicked in a sparring session. I mean, I'm not talking about going out and physically fighting people. I'm talking about in the gym. You're going to get hurt. You're going to take some lumps, and it's the same thing here. If something unexpected comes that I don't know about because information has been classified or held from me somehow, some way, I don't, I'm not worried about it. Because my situational awareness is such that I'm always watching out for stuff like that anyways. Not so much worried about it, but aware of it. Aware that, yeah, there's stuff out there that I don't know. And guess what? When it decides to make itself known to me, I mean, when it reveals itself, whether it's as an attack or whatever, I'm ready. And I'm like, oh, yeah, there you are. Step up, bruh. You know, <laughs> it's just the confidence level that it gives you. Not so much confidence level, but um, what's another way to say it? Confidence sounds sort of arrogant, and, it, and that's not what I'm trying to convey at all. An assuredness, a calmness, that whatever happens, one will be able to navigate through it one way or the other, and the outcome will be as it should be, whether that means... You know, you come out with a bloody nose or you're bruised up, you got a black eye, whatever it is, you'll heal. It's okay. I mean, what's the worst thing can happen, you know? It's like you think about religions and things like that. What are they based on? Those, what are those authoritarian systems based on? They're based on assumption, presumption, 
of the fear of going to a place called hell, eternal damnation. If that's not a non-tangible concept, I don't know what is. It's fear of what's going to happen. I don't have that fear as far as this stuff goes. Because I know that I'm quite capable of handling it. And if I ever get into a situation where I'm not capable of handling it, well, then I guess my time has come. I'm okay with that. And that is the psychological, part of the psychological aspect of what I try to convey to people who are serious about learning this grammar and who want to bring it into their lives and use it in a practical manner. The psychological condition of state is, I cannot, I cannot understate the importance of that. Going back to what I started off the last segment with the 8,500 years of, of deception thing or censoring by the fiction. As I said, you know, I'm sure that whoever made that comment had just got done watching a Colin David Eiffelwin Colin Miller seminar because I remember David was fond of saying things like that. David was fond of saying a lot of things, a lot of fantastic, unbelievable, wonderful intriguing, mystifying things that there really is no way to certify or confirm. There just isn't. And this is, on the one hand, um, the great thing about David Miller because he was so charismatic and a great storyteller. And as a beginner, back in 2017, when I first started watching the thousands of hours of video that I watched on him, I ate up every word he said because I was still involved in the assumption presumption realm of fiction. As I went on and I began learning the grammar, I began sifting through those things and beginning to comprehend that, okay, in this nine hour David Wynn Miller seminar, there's probably about an hour, maybe an hour and a half worth of grammar sprinkled in there. The rest of it are stories. And that's cool because I am curious about the past. I am curious about history. And if I see something interesting, no matter how fantastic it is, if it interests me, I will listen to it or watch it, check it out, study it. Does not mean I participate with it as a fact just because Colin David Eiffelman Colin Miller mentioned it in a video. And I certainly don't preach it to other people. What I have found to be a detriment to individuals learning this, and I did the same thing when I started learning it, was that you want to tell everybody about it. You want to spread the good news, <laughs> spread the word, so to speak, of this wonderful technology. I tried to do this in 2017 when I first found out about it, and people looked at me like I was nuts. And they looked at me more so when they would try to ask me to explain it. And I couldn't because I didn't have closure on it. And that's the point I'm trying to make here about assumption presumption. If you're trying to convince someone of something, if you're trying to explain something to someone, you really have to have the knowledge level to explain it to a five-year-old 
Because if you can't explain it to a five-year-old, then you don't have closure on it. And you're not going to convince anybody of anything. You see what I'm saying? Now, that's just someone going out and wanting to spread the good news of it. Someone going out and, you know, like a corner, a guy in a corner shouting out, the end of the world is near. Or the Jehovah's Witness coming to the front door, knock, 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 here, have you heard the good news? Or whatever it is, someone out there advertising something. That's one thing. It's another thing to establish a position, like I have, as a correct sentence structure, communication, parsley, syntax, grammar, tutor, and then say anyone who wants to come to me and wants to learn it, I will teach you. So the difference is I'm not trying to Bible bash people. I'm not trying to sell it to people. I'm not trying to convince anybody of anything. If you come to me, I will teach you the grammar if you're open to learn it. If you're coming to argue or troll or try in some way to confront me about something, it's not going to turn out very well for you because the platform is grammar. And if you come with incorrect grammar and do any of those things, whatever you're doing is just going to fall apart and I'm going to end up having to throw a life raft out at you because you're going to be drowning. As far as the grammar goes, and this is an analogy, I'm not talking literal here because I'm peaceful and neutral. I am not opposed to doing what it takes to protect my and safeguard my vessel, my construct, my biosphere from what I perceive to be harmful, malicious intent or trespass. And so far I've been so successful at it that it just doesn't worry or bother me anymore. I treat it as when those things happen, it's I just get a chuckle out of it. So to bring it back around to the David Wynn Miller thing about the eight 8,500 years, how would anyone ever be able to certify anything like that? Or the part where he talks about he was taken by aliens when he was a kid. Who am I to argue with that? I don't know. I wasn't there. Who am I to argue with 8,500 years ago the deception began? I don't know. I wasn't there. How do I know Jesus existed? I don't know. I wasn't there. He may have. Who knows? My point is, and not to sound... Uh, I guess it is going to come off callous, but I'm trying to be blunt. What does it matter right now in this now space juncture with everything that's going on in everyone's lives right now? And I'm sure everybody's got a lot of shit going on. What does it matter if there's been a deception for 8,500 years? What does it matter if Jesus existed or didn't exist? Or if there's aliens? Or if mankind was created by Elohim or whatever? What does that matter right here, right now, in your life? What difference is that going to make? Is that going to help you to protect you and your children by realizing that there may have been a deception 8,500 years ago or that there may or may not have been a character named Jesus Christ, whatever, 2,022 years ago, that the earth's only been here for 6,000 years? Really? Yeah, okay. That's going to affect me today. <laughs> I'm not going to have that second cup of coffee today. You see, it's, it's, I'm trying to get to convey that the psychology of the grammar is to deal with what's going on in the now space. There's two things, two core principles that happen with correct sentence structure, communication, parsley, syntax, grammar. Now space and closure. There's plenty of now space 
to gain the closure that you need if you truly want that closure. And if you do, you will invest the now space, the time, the value, the energy, the blood, sweat, and tears, whatever it is you will put into it because what you will get out will be multiplied tenfold if you truly want to learn it. If you're reticent about it, if you're feeling this some kind of way about it, it probably won't work out for you. But if you're open, honest, peaceful, neutral, honorable, graceful, rule on rule, equal maintenance, it will work out for you. The fiction is a constant force. It's constantly applying pressure to everyone because everyone is in the fiction system, in a manner of speaking. I really can't think of, off the top of my head, anyone who is not in the fiction system. If I hear someone talk about being sovereign, I, I immediately look at them and think, they must not know what sovereign means. Now, sovereign means that one is independent of everything else. One has their own source of food that they produce. One has their own currency that they produce. One has their own fuel that they produce. One has their own land that they stand on or whatever it is. I once said that to uh, someone in a consult, you know what sovereign is. And then they looked at me and they said, you know what, you're right. I claim spiritual sovereignty. And then I looked at them and I said, that's awesome. Yeah, I agree. Spiritually sovereign. Sure. As far as the other sovereign in a material sense, there is no such thing that I've seen. So this is an assumption and a presumption of people who claim that. This is why people like that usually run into difficulties. So they don't know what a fact is. Well, I can't claim that they don't know because I can't claim what they know or they, or they don't. But I can guess that that's how they're navigating through the realm of presumption and assumption. But the fiction system is applying constant pressure all the time, no matter how tight your grasp is on the facts, no matter how good your grammar is, no matter how much you think you've come out of assumption presumption. It's a constant force and one must be vigilant at all times. No one is perfect. No one is flawless. No one is 100% correct in as far as there's no errors in what they do. Everyone makes mistakes. I include myself in that list. I always do. I'm not perfect. There are mistakes in my videos. I do the best that I can to vet them. I also have help in doing that from different places. And I do the best that I can to make the videos the most accurate and correct that I can. But from time to time, a mistake will slip through. And thankfully, I don't want to really call them a team, but I have a group of students 
who will point it out to me if they see something that I don't? And I thank them and I correct it or jettison the video, the whole thing. I have no problem jettisoning a, vi jettisoning a video that I spent dozens of hours editing and creating. I have no problem getting rid of it if it's not correct. Because that's, that's another part of it. It's the humility, possessing humility in order to get closure on the grammar. Because if you don't have humility, you're not going to be able to admit that you've made a mistake. And I can definitely guess that there are individuals like that out there right now who will not, cannot admit it, and so they just go further and further into the fiction. Because once you do that, once you ignore a mistake where you know that you made a mistake, but you ignore it, you're in fiction. That is the bottom line. So every, no one is perfect. Everyone makes mistakes. And a lot of this grammar is stopping correcting oneself in one's own documents. It's a constant state of that where you're updating. Or once you become aware of a mistake, you must correct it in order to maintain the correctness by the finite mean of what correct is. And it's, uh, it, it can be tedious. I'm not going to, as the kids say, I'm not, no cap. It can be tedious. Bet. All right. Thanks for listening. I appreciate your listenership. And I hope you check out my YouTube channel, Coral Blade Grotto, and also my grammar channel. Links to those are in the description of this podcast. And hope to catch you next time. Thank you.